I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi, folks. Having a good day today. Let me the first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, I must note that I am not a doctor or psychiatrist. If your son or daughter needs to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I only speak based on my experiences. I also do not own the rights to this music. Both musics were found on YouTube and was published on August 27, 2017 and August 18, 2016. I also have some shouts to give. The first shout I must give is to Christian Tate Lerma, a.k.a. the host of the Flytrap podcast. I met an awesome person, and I'm going to give him a huge shout out to his buddy, Jacob, who also is on the spectrum. Christian's podcast talks us about all things that you want to know about society. I also met Jim Clare on his podcast, The Crazy Fitness Guy. This podcast helps people who have all different abilities to get healthier. Like me, Jimmy is moving mountains, and he has autism too and does not let this get him down. I also want to say hello to Mabel Benita, originally from Nigeria, but now lives in Dubai. What an awesome young lady. She runs this podcast. I have to do it, so sorry, but not really. Hey, she runs the Squash podcast and has some very interesting times, but it was so much fun being on her show. I also want to give a shout out to the Will and, D- Will and Dave from the Will and Dave show. Listening to their podcast was not only hilarious and even called my mom old, but I had so much fun being on their show. I also want to give a shout out to JTD or Joanne Tarini Daniels podcast, the JTD Health, Wellness, and Life Coaching Podcast. She talks about self-awareness, healing, mentoring, wellness, and lots of emotions. Check her out. Also, let's give a shout out to Jason McElwin or Jamie. I can see 122. I mean, not 122. 132. The rest is by Jason McElwin for more information on that. He was on my show last time. He's a very busy that day, but it was Super Bowl day also, but he still took the time to talk to me. Thank you and keep being awesome, Mr. J-Matt. I also was on a networking site the other day called UX Networking. Thank you for letting me join. May I just say, wow, everyone, the sponsors just keep coming. And I'm so thankful. Please visit the following businesses. They are great people. I want to give a huge shout out to my man, Steve at Wellspring Paint Solutions. And we have yet to meet face to face, but we will soon. I also want to give a shout out to Adam, Dave, and Holly at the Perfection Auto Glass. They too have become my sponsor. Visit their business today. I also want to give a shout out to Adam at Commercial Service. They give me a very generous donation. I will use this money to purchase Pod Match and continue with that. This is going to help me grow my business. I also want to say thank you to Grace Cross at Green County General Hospital in Linton, Indiana, Heather Hudson at Life Paths Counseling in Bloomington, Indiana, Donnie Bell at Bell's Built Automotive in Salisbury, Indiana, and Stephen Miller and Angel Shear at Stephen Miller CPA Tax Service in Bloomington, Indiana. They too have bought ad space and believe in what I am doing. I'm getting quite a few sponsors. I have a huge following. Please email me at info at autismrocksmills.com or call 812-699-7811 if you're interested in sponsorship or ad space. Lastly, people, I got I need your help here. We got a very good friend, Courtney Collison, who was badly injured in a vehicle accident a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, a drunk driver hit her car and she needs help. A GoFundMe page has been set up by her brother, Adam Collison. This can be found on Facebook where I asked Courtney, how can I help? She replied, I'm not asking for donations really, but anything can help. She is in need of furniture and supplies to rebuild a bedroom and bathroom so she can get around easier. And she said, more importantly, to educate people, please just don't drink and drive. It's dumb. May I just add that? But anyway, I just want to wish her well to people to look at me and I not think I'm badly injured as well. Now, I must say, too, with this, call a friend to drive you home or call a taxi or an Uber. Spend the night somewhere else. Just don't do it. Our friend should not be going through this at all, but yet she is. Carpenters, people who can donate furniture or somebody who just wants to help Montel, you can go visit her GoFundMe page or contact me. And I will do what I can do to get your message to Courtney. Now, we got a word from our sponsors. There'll be three advertisements, by the way. So this will be ad number one. I have a sponsor. 
It's not only a sponsor, but these people seem like the nicest people ever. Wellspring Pain Solutions is partnering with Autism Rocks and Rolls. They're not only friendly people, but they have four locations, Columbus, Batesville, Terre Haute, and Bloomington, Indiana. Doctors like Dr. Beck is leading the way in pain management. They support my mission to take the stigma off of autism and for people to realize I have autism, but I am not broken. I do not need to be fixed. I am me, and I embrace that. I've also had, had some big guests through my show, such as Dr. Temple Grandin, Simon Majumdar from Cutthroat Kitchen, and Armani Williams, the first NASCAR driver open about having autism. They were also very excited about my amazing, upcoming guests. Also love my merchandise I sell. Hearing all about the press I received and hearing all about the podcast episodes I've created and I have been guests on. Wellspring Pain Solutions, www.wellspringpainsolutions.com and autismrocksandrolls.com. All right. And I don't want you to be too nervous to meet them because they will help you with your nerves. Now, today we have some guest people. We got a real treat for all of you today. I mean, not one, but two people. But two people in the world of the MMA. We have Serena Southpaw de Seuss. MMA fight known as the Outlaw Southpaw. She is in the bantamweight category and is known for not pulling purchases with her words and fists. Oh yeah, don't forget she has autism, which doesn't keep her down. She actually uses MMA fight for an outlet to cope with autism. I am sure she will talk about this more, but Desus is staying tall and being a role model to all of us on the spectrum. Like her, our other guest and me, we are the voice for those who cannot speak. We are so very excited that she is here. And guess what? We got Garrett Hollum, known as G-Money, who's in the house, man. He is the father and coach, and he is here with us too, Mitch. According to IMB website, Garrett earned a victory in his first sanctioned MMA bout in 2014. In 2017, G-Money was the first ever adaptive MMA championship belt. He continues to compete in MMA as an avid CrossFit competitor. Garrett once said, I'm a fighter. That's what I am. And his father once said very powerfully, people shouldn't discriminate against him just because he has an extra chromosome, like I believe in as well. Garrett's family believe in full inclusion. Garrett has Down syndrome, but Down syndrome does not have him. Welcome both of you. How are you guys doing? Yeah. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having us all have me on. <laughs> of course. Thank you for having taken the time. What about you, Mitch or G-Money? I'm uh, doing good. Um, uh, I got back to the gym last week. I'm going back to my morning. That's great, man. So my first question to both of you is, what does having autism and Down syndrome mean to you? And either one of you can go first. G-Money, I'll give the mic to you. You go first, buddy. Does it mean anything to you? Does having Down syndrome mean anything to you? No answer, so it doesn't mean anything. I really don't care. That's my honesty. He doesn't care about it. That's his honest answer. He doesn't care about it. He doesn't worry about it. It's never concerned. It means that for me, you know, you hear the trademark of being unique, being on the spectrum, but... I view it much more than that. I view it that I'm part of a genetic history that has been part of the human genomes for like, at least for autism, been part of the human genome for about 10,000 years. So it's kind of special that throughout that 10,000 years, those genetics came down the line of history, survived who knows what, and has now come to me. So to me, it means a lot. It means that despite everything, I'm still here. And so were my ancestors who are also on this, who must have been on the spectrum too. And so I kind of feel a sense of pride of that. Yeah, it just came down to you and you're, and that's really, and you're just really happy about that, which I'm very happy for you too, believe me. So this one's for both of you as well. What were your initial thoughts when you learned that you had Down syndrome and autism? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was ever a time that Garrett learned that it, 
a little bit different uh, with Down syndrome. Parents are told almost at birth or these days, even before the child's born. For him, it was never one day, like for people on the spectrum where maybe you'll be going to school and then one day they pull you out and test you and say, guess what, you have autism. It, it doesn't work the same way with, with individuals with Down syndrome. So he's really no, you know, nobody ever woke him up one day and said, guess what? So my initial thoughts were, okay, so this was why I went through everything like this. This is why... I react certain ways to light, to noise, and why I'm a, a little out of place compared to the rest of the, of the population. And it was, to me, at least early, because when I was from ages four to 13, I was misdiagnosed and I was put on so many antipsychotic medications for now no reason. So to find out was kind of a relief because that meant no more pills. And it meant I was finally going to get the help I needed versus just being treated for things that shouldn't have been the focus. So relief for me, and I learned how to, you know, what being autistic was what it, and what autism meant. So it was a relief. It was a relief. I think when you know it, it makes you feel a lot better. It's like when you're operating between codes, like you got Linux and you got every and you got everything else. So you're like learning life, you know, instead of doing it this way, you can do it that way. So it's like, okay, so I was different operating system, different whatever. So now that I know that, it's like, oh, okay, not nothing to sweat too much about now. So now speaking of operating, how do you think an autistic brain operates or an, and a Down syndrome brain operates? Or you, Mitch, how does a Down syndrome brain operate? They're individuals just like everybody else. So uh, it's it's a hard question to answer. It frustrates Garrett. He doesn't he doesn't focus at all on the Down syndrome part. That's that's never been Garrett's focus. So we don't we don't we un, we understand what we have to deal with, but there's so many different things that goes on. It's just really a hard question. Hmm, that's a very good question. I haven't thought of too much. I know that our brains can get overwhelmed through our senses more than our neurotypical peers. I know that we have things like that, but we all but I view it as a double-edged sword. Like, granted, not everybody on the spectrum will be a savant, but not everybody on the spectrum or helpless and will need an adult their entire lives either it, it varies just much like down syndrome like autism also varies and you know the extra steps of care we need to take and also the advantages that come with it i know for me as a low needs um autistic individual i constantly feel like i'm walking that tightrope between the autistic world and the neurotypical world and for me you know it's hard even I make it look, just because the load, it doesn't look heavy does not mean it's not heavy. I just, like many others, I would like to think, make it look normal, you know, because maybe sometimes I don't always air out the difficulties I have. It doesn't mean that I don't have the difficulties. Yeah, everyone has dark secrets to hide. And I mean, I have my own secrets. I'm not going to spill them, of course, because top secret. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I can relate to that. I've had some secrets that are really hard to express but i'm pretty good at expressing myself i'm not even if i say myself but i have some that are really difficult to express what would you say would be the most rewarding and most difficult thing about having down syndrome would be those are sam those are tough questions for garrett to answer they're they're it's just they're difficult for things to and i don't want to answer questions for him number one because i don't have you know i'm not him and those are just difficult questions for him to answer because uh he doesn't like to talk about it he doesn't like i said he doesn't dwell on it and 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 he doesn't give that much thought to it either. So I think the most rewarding thing for me, at least for me, being an autistic woman, I believe because when I was 13 and I was diagnosed, I had a case manager that helped me learn how to better socialize with my peers. 
And I believe because of that social training, I have better insight and I have a bit more empathy than say neurotypical, my neurotypical peers. Cause I sit back and I look at things. I'm like, wait a minute. I learned that this was wrong. So I'm not going to do this. Meanwhile, I see my neurotypical peers doing less than stellar things. But the disadvantage is because I'm so socially shy still, not as awkward anymore. I have a hard time making bonds, which martial arts has kind of helped me with because in training, nobody cares about if you're autistic or you're not. Like the martial arts community is very inclusive. They want to help you be able to train and because of that, being with people, you can talk about martial arts and then it starts jumping into other realms and you start making bonds and good friends. Yeah, because they don't care about your training. They want you to know that, hey, even though I'm autistic, I can still, you know, mm-hmm. do the do the hook, I guess is what you can call it. And even though that they don't know, they can you can be, reveal it. You, you earn respect when you get punched and kicked in the face by someone, honestly. 100%. I have another teammate in, in my gym exactly who actually came over to to my gym syndicate mixed martial arts in las vegas because he too is um low needs um he's a low needs autistic professional fighter as well so it's kind of like yay my tribe's coming (laughs) hi everybody i'm gina i'm sam's mom um so sam has asked me to uh step in and help him on this one we had kind of talked about this he and i are going to kind of piggyback off each other and and ask questions if that's okay with everybody else. Go, I'm good with that. <laughs> well, my question, um, so like I said, I'm going to help Sam host this one. Um, my question is for G-Money. Um, G-Money, what do you love about fighting, MMA fighting? What's your favorite thing? That just gives me that more in shape, that more of stronger, and it's probably um, being sweaty. Being sweaty? Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's when, great. When you're sweating, then you know that you're working hard, right? Um, that's what I've been doing uh, um, like at, in the morning. So just, I, and I'm sure Serena, just as a side note, G has not been, he's been out of the MMA gym for literally a year because I'm just uh, overprotective that at this point. My job is to protect him. He needs to protect me. So yeah, he's gonna. So last, so he got his vaccine. He finished his vaccine. And nice. last week was his first week back into the gym. So I think Serena oh. can appreciate that. Oh uh, my goodness, I could. Yeah. Because for me, at least, when I don't train, I stim more. I stim more. I kind of have more, I'm more sensory sensitive. And my parents can tell, okay, Serena, you haven't trained. That's why you're a little out of pocket right now. So I can, I cannot imagine being out for a year. I am so happy that he, that Mitch is back in the gym. And I bet he's happy too, because the gym is a lifesaver. I don't have to wear a face mask. Oh, I hate them too, man. I hate the face mask too. Oh my goodness. I'd rather wear a diaper mask if it was up to me. (laughs) Well, they're making Mortal Kombat looking mess now for like people who have to train during COVID. And I'm like, well, now the Mortal Kombat movie just got announced. I'm going to look fashionable. <laughs> hey, I just look at the Twitter. I just, hey, did the Twitter is going to that good, but the original movie. A Mortal Kombat. I think it looks better than the original movie. 
I'm so excited. Like it's rated R and everything. So I'm like, ooh, <laughs> it's going to be good. Serena likes the violence like you do. Yeah, but from the movie is different. It's different I hear is I hate that. Okay. I feel you a little bit. I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed and hope it's good. <laughs> I will too. I'll cross my fingers, both of you. So for Miss DeSeuss, what advice would you give to someone who just learned they had autism? So I would just co- uh, tell I'm them to coach with it and learn and just learn what exactly makes you tick on the spectrum. Like for me, I know that light noise can be the bane of my existence. I've learned how to cope with that. I've learned to wear stylish hats. I'm a woman of many hats. Recently, I've been wearing my cowboy hat because it also blends up my moniker at the Southpaw Outlaw. But um, I do that and I wear noise canceling earphones, kind of like what I'm on right now to talk to y'all. So if I ever need to reset for a little bit, if I'm getting a little overwhelmed, I have one source of stimuli to focus on and I just relax. But there are many different types of sensory things with, auti- with autists like myself. And they just have to learn which one set them off and kind of how to maneuver around them. I would advise them also to embrace it. It's not a bad thing. It's just literally how your brain was wired when you were born. It's like someone who is epileptic, not liking themselves because they just happen to be epileptic. Yeah, I can relate to that, honestly, because I have sensory issues to certain noises. Like, remember that we have a jack-in-the-box thing where you turn it, ugh. Makes me sad. makes me depressed, but I hate that. Yeah. I hate it. I get really anxious. Like, I'm in a gym, so sometimes when weights slam and I don't anticipate it, I'll jump and everybody in the room will look at me. I'm like, why did I jump so much? But it was because of that. And there's times like when I'm in a party, for example, you know, I have to like escape for a few minutes and kind of get, you know, gain my barons back. And I don't go to clubs because lights, noise, and it's unnecessary. And I'm paying God awful amounts of money to torture yourself, basically. Essentially. So I just don't do it. I don't, I don't blame you at all. I do not at all. I can relate to that. I, my question is for uh, is for G Money, and then Dad, and I guess I could address this to you as well. What kind of advice would you give to um, a family? You know, maybe that they they found out that um, you know the that their baby was going to have Down syndrome, um, and just any kind of general advice that you, that you would have for that. Because I, I know as a mother. If, if, if yeah, I know I, it's a it's a question that I get a lot of times, uh-huh. and it, it kind of plays off the fact that how he get Garrett gets ag- ag- agitated over the disabilities conversation because he's the middle of three sons and two brothers. Two brothers. Yeah, I say for us, my best advice to parents is don't get wrapped up in the label. Okay, I think I, I people will say. You know, oh, uh, my child is two years old. They're not walking yet. Or, you know, it could be something relating to their disability. I always, and I, I say this for my typical boys too, but I just got to treat everybody's individual. And we've always, we've always put the label aside. He, we, it's not something that we talk about a whole lot. So that's the best piece of advice um, that I give. My wife and I said something a long time ago. Especially depending on who you are, you can you could drive yourself crazy. Maybe Serena will understand this. You can, as a parent, as an individual, you can drive yourself crazy taking medicines, running around, dealing with all the symptoms. 
And before you know it, that really becomes your life. Your life becomes, I'm a, you know, I, I, ha, I, I have been hit in the head too many times, so I have post-concussion syndrome. So you, nobody wants that to be their life. Nobody wants autism to be just the, Sam wants to do bo- podcast, right? Um, he wants to probably talk more music or everything. So for us, it's always been, and, and that's why we always talk about inclusion because, you know, that's the way it's been from the very beginning. And that's the advice that I, I would give to any parent. I, I really, as a, as I love it. I, I love that too. I, I cause I, I feel like that, that I a hundred percent agree. And that's, um, that's what I've done too. You know, like uh, Serena, I'm sure that you'll relate to this, but with Sam, he has autism, but he also loves music. And he also is a podcaster and he's also a great student and he also loves media and he loves dogs and he likes to go for walks in the woods. It's just a little piece. And that's, of course, I just really appreciate Mitch, what the, the light that you shed on that. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. All, everybody, no matter what they have, they always need their reason d'entre, their reason to live, their reason of being. You can't just go through this world without having, feeling some sort of purpose. Now, my purpose when I was growing up, you know, it shifted a little bit. But when I found martial arts, I'm like, this is it. This is exactly what I wanted. I'm willing to wake up and be in pain and then pay the piper eventually when it's time for me in my midlife, like 50s or 60s. I'm willing to wake up and pay the piper for that. But I love this sport so much. I'm willing to risk that. That's absolutely wonderful. So for Miss DeSeuss, I was wondering what, are the steps to prepare for a fight? So it varies from person to person. From my little walkthrough, we have our traditional fight camp, which, you know, traditionally won't run anywhere from six to eight weeks. And then on that, we're dieting, we're dropping our weights because fighters have their walking weight and then their fight weight. So during this whole time, I'm dieting down, you know, going over my game plans, sharpening the tools in the toolbox, maybe learn some new stuff, depending on what I may need to do to my opponent in a fight. And then, of course, the whole flying out or traveling to the fight, getting acclimated to the new environment that I've just now placed myself in. So most of the times nowadays, since I haven't fought at home since 2017, these new places I have to adjust myself to are pretty hostile. Like my last fight, Thankfully, Tennessee is a really lovely state, lovely people, but I'm in this, I'm in my opponent's hometown and I'm in her promotion, essentially. It's learning to flip that switch on the day of from being this nice little, you know, adorable anime loving person to Godzilla, as I call myself, Greenzilla, and just be prepared to kick in the door, stomp on everyone and everything and take what I want. Well, can I just say you are a beautiful Godzilla? Oh, why thank you. <laughs> you're, wel- you're welcome. And and I have I have the same question. Um, G Money, which um what do you do when you go into the gym? I I just listen to my coach that's been a this listen to him like that. Like God listening. Um what else do you what what do you train at the gym when you go to um, we, actually, we work on techniques. That's awesome. I really respect that. Do you, so, G-Many, when you go into, do you train every day? Um, uh, I train, like, in the mornings, and sometimes I work out, um, sometimes, like, in, on the weekends. Doing some type of training every day, whether it's MMA or lifting. Um, we work out, and, and 
I would say uh, we work out like in during a week, but not Thursdays. Thursdays at work, but sometimes we can do it on the weekend. Very good. That sounds like that. Do you get? Do you rest? Do you give your muscles a chance to rest? Yes. Um. A. I have a new bed. And I lay on it as a couch. And uh, so I'm going to like ride on the couch. Let's see, yes, it's Very good. You got to let your muscles rest because then, then you'll be too sore. Oh boy, do you ever. I'm feeling that right now. But I got to ask G Money something. Do, do you like striking or do you like grappling more? Or is it kind um, of uh, actually, you can use striking with your grappling because. Yeah. Hey, we restrict him when you go for the takedown and then you go for the submission. Fights always start the feet first, so my man. <laughs> so for both of you, your, your nicknames are DeSeuse and G-Money. Where did they come from? Um, Actually, I just first friend. I'm going to know from high school. Um, I went to Cooper City High School. And, um, yeah, Cooper City High School. Um, it was Eric Dunn, but we know each other since Best Buddies. I got Eric Dunn, but I got E-Money, but he called me T-Money. I think it's an awesome it's nickname. Oh, I love it. I love the nickname. <laughs> so, De Jesus is actually my last name, but my moniker, Southpaw Outlaw, kind of came from kind of how wily I was when I first started. Like, I was, I my first sparring partner um, was Rafi. He's like this big heavyweight dude like he wouldn't kill me but when he hit it landed but it looked like something like Mowgli versus Baloo from the Jungle Book every time I worked with him but because of my never say die attitude and I was just always I wouldn't say I was just always determined they were like oh man that's a little outlaw right there and I'm like nah because there's a fighter an old school UFC fighter I love called um uh who's Dan Hardy who's moniker was the outlaw I'm like, I can't take that and you look around you see everybody outlaw outlaw this outlaw that but I'm left-handed when I fight, which is actually kind of interesting because I actually write right-handed and I bat right-handed, but I toss the ball left-handed. So my brain's an interesting mess. Decided to call my, you know, be called Southpaw Outlaw because it rhymed and it just fit and it just stayed with me. So had it my first amateur fight, uh, Muay Thai fights in 2013. It's just stuck and I like it. And everybody else keeps liking it. They keep saying it's the most interesting nickname they've heard. So I'm going to stay with it. I think so, too. I, I think it's a very interesting name and kind of make, doesn't make me want to mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, will, I will second that. <laughs> Either one of you. <laughs> so these next three are for Miss DeSeuss. What I want to know is what is the Bantam weight class and how did you get into the Bantam weight class? Okay. So the Bantam weight class is 135. So fighting weights are very deceptive. You have your fight weight, which is the weight you walk on on the scale, and then you have your walking weight. So I came to the bantamweight division because a lot of the women my weight, my walking weight, were sitting at bantamweight. So the walking weight for bantamweights is anywhere between 155 to 160 pounds. Don't ask me to do that in kilos. I'm not good at that. So as a result, a lot of bantamweights, including myself, will diet down to about their 140s or 145, whatever, and then they'll sweat the rest out of pure water. Because by the tail end of my weight cut, meaning the dieting down process, I will have gone without food and water for a good 12, close to 24 hours while I'm 
getting ready for it. So this is why for me personally, I've been known for my very angry takes on on people who miss weight because my sensory issues also include extreme temperature change. So jumping into an ice pool, getting into a sauna, especially when my nerves are already heightened from not having food or water. Because when you're de- when you're depleted of nutrients and resources, your body is like all the senses heightened because like we gotta find something to have or we're gonna die. So it's absolutely miserable. But I I stick through it and I'm, I've never missed weight. Not once as an amateur and not once as a pro. So when I'm seeing professionals, like this weekend, we just had a fight on UFC that fell off. A guy came in 12 and a half pounds overweight, meaning he's overweight for even the weight class above him. And I was pretty mad about that. So that's where, that's why we have weight classes to make sure things are regular. So we have our rehydration weight where I go right back to my 50s, you know, 58 and then we fight the day of so that's why when people say oh they only fight at this weight that's light that's deception i weigh 135 for the moment i'm on the scale but then i rehydrate and gain all my flu you know my weight back just like everybody else but it's a tricky topic because some people will do cut weight too much and then you know they'll mess with their bodies and some just cut too little and then they're over they're like outweighed when people other people rehydrate so it's a delicate balance to find your weight class so I'm very happy at the Bantamweight division. Also, how do you spread autism awareness? My mission has kind of shifted from let, alerting people that, you know, autistic people exist within the community. They're not just people you'll find in the special education classes in your high school and whatnot. They're your neighbors. They're your friends. They're people you see on TV. Like, people's minds have been blown out the water when I tell them and uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins is autistic people uh-huh. never knew because he's such a grand actor and he credits autism for him being a great actor you know so now my mission has shifted from telling people about the, you know just showing that we're here to now showing them that we're an everyday part of their life and we always have been for the time we've been on this planet like we have myths in european history like the changeling myth where human babies were kidnapped by fairies and replaced with a fairy baby when you study that myth more in depth it almost seems very eerie to how parents react at first with, with their autistic child, how the child's not looking at them, how they're not acting in a typical human manner. So I'm showing that we've been here forever. And instead of just fighting it, try and include us in stuff. Make Help us become a part of the community. Yes, make that's, us be part of the community. Let us in. That's what I always try to tell us. Let us in and include us, please. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. want a chance, man. But I always ask. I can't, I can't speak for other autistics, people like myself and many others. It's kind of a thing we've gone through, had to go through. And we still are to a degree. It's a hard thing, but I think with more eyes on us, over time, we'll be more, everything will become more inclusive because we're not saying necessarily everything has to be changed this way for us. It's like, hey, here are ways we can help. Here are ways we can be included. Yep. That's I always say. You, it, it kind of reminded me too, Sam today just had, just had another interview and the, the young man that we were talking to, his son had autism and he said, I cannot remember exactly what he said. So I, I won't like quote it verbatim because I don't want to be inaccurate, but he said something like, you know, he, you know, maybe he's not going to be Einstein, but, and then I said, but Einstein had autism. <laughs> That is, he, Einstein did probably clinically have autism. So, you know, it just kind of shows you that it's, 
yeah, like it's, you know, really great people are doing great things that are on the spectrum. And you're an example 100%. of that. So um, Mitch, this is a question for you. Um, when Sam was researching and I was doing some reading and, and maybe it, it might be that you don't want to talk about this and that's fine too, but there was some sort of petition that you all signed. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, when, when the state of Florida issued the cease and desist order that Garrett couldn't fight, that stopped his fight, there was a petition by change.org that, oh, National Down Syndrome Society started the petition with change.org to basically uh, rally support in the state of Florida, you know, that Garrett should be allowed to fight. I don't know, it got maybe three or 400,000 people that actually signed it, which was amazing, which also helped in the long run, give him his opportunity, that gave him his opportunity to fight. That's awesome. That is that, yeah, that, Sam and I were kind of talking about that and Sam had read more about it. So I'm glad that you did that. That's, that's, and, and, and I guess the petition worked, did it work? And he was able to fight? There was a lot of, there was a, a lot of factors involved. In that. My condolences, you had to go through the Florida State Athletic Commission. I went through that once and fought in Florida once and never again, unless that's the, the stepping stone to the UFC. I just, Mike, I'm so sorry you guys had to go through that. It was an, it was an interesting experience, but it was a good one um, in the long run because it breaks, it breaks down barriers for other people. And we need more of that. Yes, we do. So, Miss DeSeuss, can you? Talk about your work garage in your home. Okay. So yeah, when COVID hit here in the state of Nevada for like, I got done last year, my fight literally a few days before the national lockdown happened. And so when that happened, like I said, I need a trainer. I go a little cuckoo in the cabeza, you know, sensory wise. I have a rollout mat. I actually bought a long time ago when I still lived in Philadelphia off a friend. I bought it for 40 bucks with this rollout mat, like retails about $200. So I was really happy. So I got that and a lot of cheap puzzle piece mats from Walmart. And I already have a lot of, I have mitts and I have a lot of gloves because I also do self, before COVID, I would do monthly self-defense seminars for autistic kids because support for autistics vary state by state. Where I used to live in Pennsylvania, there was good support, lots of groups and stuff that would help. In Nevada, there's hardly anything except like nonprofit groups, but none of them showed self-defense. So I've kind of viewed it it was kind of almost a responsibility as a professional martial artist to teach kids who are on the spectrum to stay safe because they're at higher risk for bullying. Lord knows I was bullied until I started popping people in the mouth and that stuff stopped very fast. So I wish to pass that tradition on. So I just trained with my little brother who is also autistic and also is involved in martial arts. We would train together a lot, like do our calisthenic workouts, do, you know, hit mitts and stuff, roll with each other. And it was great for a time. I would invite some friends from the gym who were also stuck in similar situations to join us. So in some way, I was still able to get my training. Yeah, that that does make us feel because, I mean, like you said, the Nevada did help is what it sounds like. Well, and Sam is um, too, I don't know if he had mentioned this, but he is almost a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, um, nice. Yep. Yeah, I kind of retired because I got I got tiring after a while. Feel it, but hey, look, sc- the scissor kicks and those hook kicks have been very and axe kicks have been very, have been a part of my striking game for a while because I did taekwondo until I was a purple belt. My favorite's the sidekick, like the sidekicks are great. Yeah, I like those. I call them. I make 
in wrestling they call they, I always call them super kicks. But I, it I, works I, though. You're like helping other people that are on the spectrum with that because you know when Sam went into Taekwondo when he was ten ish, he was having a hard time with focusing, and I thought you know we got to really get him involved with something. So it helped him tremendously. Tremendously. Yeah. Yeah, it helped Marshall me focus a lot better. That. And definitely the self-confidence, I would say. So, yeah. yeah. And it's great because there's even a National Institute of Health um, article that actually shows how autistics training in martial arts, it helps improve the executive function of the brain. Mm -hmm. And so when you have the cold, hard science right there on top of like feeling like you have a, a place of belonging and stuff, like I, I believe martial arts should be for everybody. And I kind of, being that person who went through having to deal with bullies while being on the spectrum, I kind of view it as like a moral responsibility for me to break that cycle. Like try and make sure that autistics don't fall into the same pitfalls I fell into being a child of the nineties and being undiagnosed for so long. Yes, totally. And I understand that. So my question, I don't know if um, G money, is he going to come back? <laughs> think he, he may have bailed. Hey, that's okay. That's all Sorry right. That. No, that's no okay. Worries. We so appreciate him talking to us. Um, I don't really like him. I'll admit it. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Thank you, Sam. Um, my question is for you, Mitch, and if, if he wants to join, um, I was going to ask him about um, his belts. I was curious as to um, what championship belts he has won. Those two behind me? Yep. Now, what okay. are those? What are those? Um, what are those titles? So the first, the first one was the first fight that he did, sanctioned fight, was actually sponsored by Fighting Broad. Nice. So and that was in St. Louis. So that's what the first belt was for, and it was really just to commemorate the fact that, um, and his his opponent had mild cerebral palsy, so the belt was there to commemorate, really to commemorate that event. Then his second belt that he won, it was actually for his third fight. And that was from, I forget, it's Gateway Fighting Alliance or whatever it was. And that's a Bantamweight belt that he won. Um, so those are the two belts that he has. Okay, you want to switch gears, Sam? Yeah. So speaking of your um, brothers, Miss Stacey, do you think autism is heredity or considering you and your brothers have autism? Yep. I have two brothers and I have a sister who are all, who are all autistic. Before the revision of the DSM-5, what happened was me and my brothers had Asperger's syndrome and my sister fell under PDD-NOS, which is pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. So even within our family, there's different looks to autism. Like my brothers don't have the sensory issues I have. Like my one brother has his, not light and noise, but he has his own sensory issues. And my other brother has his own, like even within there it all varies and my sister has her sensory issues that are not like mine and you know her little tics and stuff about her so i 100 percent believe it's it's hereditary like i said before it was in the it's been noted in the human genome for about ten thousand years it's just we have it's switched so much like before it used to be be its own form of schizophrenia and then it turned you know in the 50s and 60s to autism and then it was so underreported that by the time i was diagnosed in the early 2000s my family and i are like what's autism and then when we learned about what it was like oh my god finally it fits this is it this is really what i am you know and like i said huge weight off my shoulders it made everything easy so i believe it's 100 percent you know inherited but how it, how it comes out the end is anyone's guess that's why autism is so interesting to me because 
you have people like even within families, it, it varies. So it's how much it varies worldwide is something I would like to, you know, keep studying. Hey, Gene and Sam, let me just, because you, Sam asked earlier about when did Garrett find out about having Down syndrome? And, and I, you know, you don't, we never brought Garrett into a room and say you have Down syndrome, okay? Because it's just something that you, you almost assimilate into once you're born into it. And, and one of the interesting things that I find is, and Serena, I hear it from you, it's just interesting in that um, you see Garrett reacts to his disability because he does, it's never been a focus because he's just learned how to work around it, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's funny when I hear Serena and I hear other people on the spectrum talking, especially people a little bit older in your generation, my generation of, oh, this is what I am. So now it makes life easier with, with Garrett, it was the other way around. It was never a guess of what he was. It was always learning how to what we talk about, adapt. Mm -hmm. So now that Sam knows, Sam, you, you know that you're on the spectrum. So once somebody kind of whispered that in your ear, which was important to you, then you knew how to, you know how to better deal with autism, sensory issues and everything else. And, and that's why it's so much... For Sam, I want him to understand that's why it's so much different than, you know, it, here, I'll give you another great analogy, Sam, that you may understand because I do a lot of, we do a lot of training with people with physical handicaps too. There's a difference, and I've spoke to both, there's somebody that would, the difference between somebody born without their hand and have their hand amputated. If you ask the person that was born without their hand, they don't know any difference, right, Sam? They were born that way. You've probably met them. And for them, it was just like, hey, you know, this is the way it is. Or, you know, we see more drastic examples of that with people with no limbs or whatever. When you have to have an amputation or a veteran, that's a different experience. It's also more traumatic, which is also why I think that um, for a child with autism, it's a more traumatic experience to be told, oh, you know, this is what's wrong than to be, oh, look, I was born this way. So we're just going to keep rolling. Yeah, yeah, that's very on point because I have an uncle with Down syndrome. So I know that at least from my, from my viewpoint, that seeing somebody with Down syndrome, they're born into that lot, uh, into that lot. Like they, there's nothing really that changes for them. So they can go and just be like, okay, yeah, I'm Down syndrome. That's cool. And they coast their life with the cards that they're given. At least in my, for me at least, when I was diagnosed, I went, I ran the gamut of so many diagnoses. At first, when the when the new diagnosis came, I'm like, all right, so there's something else wrong with me. Let's see how long this one lasts. So that's why for me, it wasn't necessarily as traumatic because I've lived through this said trauma of diagnosis growing up as a kid. Like for me, it never stayed steady until the autism diagnosis came, which was finally the answer. Because they, they stopped that. treating your, they, they found out to stop treating all your symptoms and mm -hmm. just to treat you as the individual. Because that, Correct. That, that is like, yeah. That is, and like I said, you're on this too. This is exactly what we need. Yeah, well, it's, Sam's, Sam's, as from a mother's standpoint, uh, Sam's case is even a little bit different because he, you know, he, he was diagnosed when he was four and, you know, there was some behaviors leading up to us thinking, well, you know, maybe he's on the spectrum. Um, but so he was diagnosed when he was four, but I finally, when he was six, 
uh, my husband and I decided that we would tell him that this is, you know, this is what's going on. And I actually found a book called Sam Has Asperger's and it had his name in it. So it was wow. perfect. And so I just, it was almost comical because I read it to him. He was like, and I was like, I have it. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> yeah, he said his exact response was, I have this, don't I? And I said, yeah, <laughs> you. and he was like, I knew it. I knew I had it. But for Do you want to hear guy? It was like with Serena, it was, oh, like this explains so much. And he actually, um, but I do, I appreciate you explaining that to Sam because I, I think these questions, you know, like I proof his questions, I look through them. Oh, it's not even that. I think- I understand what you're saying. No, no, I think that I, listen, it's great that Sam does this and he asks a great question. And, and as Garrett leaves and, you know, exits the building, I, I just, you know, I think that Sam's questions were as important. It goes back to, hey, you know, it, it's just, he's, he, it's, it's really interesting. Because I see, I, 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 as an observer, I, I, I see this as that. For Garrett, he, he does not. He's fought really hard to remove that label. So, so it's not okay ever for it to be an excuse. And it's, I think it's a little bit different. And I don't want to speak for somebody, but in meeting and talking to people like on the spectrum, it's a little bit different because you have the aha moment. He's never had the aha moment. He's always, his struggle is always to be, I don't need that aha moment. I was kind of born with it. I'm always running away from that that label because I've been, he's been labeled at birth. Well, that's a big difference you have to understand too, Sam, is that Garrett, since the day that he was born, and we didn't know it beforehand, we were given that label, your son has Down syndrome, you know, and he's gonna be the R word and everything else. He's 31 years old. So experience is so much different. And I just want to know he is not, yes, he is, I can do, just tell, he, I, he's smart, do. he's a smart man, I can already tell. Yeah, very successful. Yes. He's rugged. So, and successful. So and, he's, and I can tell his, his, his spirit, I can tell he's got a good spirit, he's got a strong heart, and I really yeah. love that about him. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting, too, that you say he fought against his label. It's how I think everybody perceives it, too, because Sam has said so many times, if he's talking about autism, I embrace that autism. He takes that label, whatever, if, if people want to label him, he takes that with pride. And um, it's just so, it's, it's an interesting conversation of how you look at it. You know, like mm -hmm. some people are in a situation where they don't want that, you know, like in like from what you've said, Garrett wants to be a fighter and that's what he wants to do. So can you both describe what your childhoods were like or Garrett's? My childhood was kind of rough. When I was little, my biological dad was abusive and my mom basically took me and ran away with me and left everything else behind. But at age four, I was already displaying some different behaviors that were atypical of a normal kid growing up. So that's when she took me to get tested. But I'm a child of the 90s. So the doctor at four years old decided you should go give your kid um, Adderall. And yeah, so legalized crystal meth, essentially. So decided that, and then when th those medicine, that, that medicine, excuse me, gave me hives, so no diagnosis, new switch, and being of these different labels, you know, and kids are freaking rude. They'll try, they're very opportunistic. They'll try and see who's the weaker one of the bunch and try and pick them to get, you know, superiority. So I happened to be that one picked on a few times until fourth grade, I finally had enough. And um, I went to a field and 
in recess where there's a stick. And I had, I remember five kids coming after me just to kind of mess with me. And I channeled my inner Rafiki and beat the snot out of all of them because I was in Taekwondo at that time. So most staff skills paid off. And you use it for self-defense. Yes. When, okay, well, when good. Five kids are, when five kids are coming after you, I mean, like, like, like I don't I blame. I just want to make sure you didn't like beat up a kid just for. Nah, I just knew it was kind of tradition that they would try and mess with me because they always did every day in recess. I just had a problem. And then my, and well, I got suspended from school, even though I was the one bending myself. But my parents are proud of me. They always instilled the idea of I, you don't start a problem, but you finish it. And it's something I live to uh, live about to this day. Like I'll see me chilling and everything. But when someone starts a problem, hands fly. So yeah, I was in and out. After that, I was in and out of um, residential treatment facilities, um, psychiatric units, because these medicines and these diagnoses that were thrown on would hurt. Like I still have stretch marks around from how much weight gain one of them made me have. And people think at 29 years old, I have a kid. I'm like, <laughs> no. So it's things like that. But in my teens, like I said, when I had my diagnosis and I started getting the support I needed and, you know, tell, you know, my family being involved, things started to get better bit by bit. But I don't think I really hit my peak, you know, until I started being in martial arts when I was 18. Like I did athletics in high school, like I did softball and I did powerlifting and they were all right, but they didn't quite fill that gap for me and help me upstairs. But when I had martial arts in my life, it all changed and I started socializing and kind of getting up my shell a little bit more. Yeah, I can understand that completely. So how did you both make yourselves role models? How did Gary make himself a role model? How did you, Miss Stacey, make yourself a role model? Well, and I was, I'll say with, for Garrett, that's what I was going to, what I was going to ask was, you know, has he been, Mitch, has he been um, called a role model? I mean, how does that make him feel um, for, you know, for probably people to look up to him? Um, he's breaking uh, down a lot of barriers and doing some really great things. Was a he's one of my role models now. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. I'll let him know. It, it, it was a work in progress because, again, he never wanted to be labeled. And it was very difficult for us to ever even have him associate. So Special Olympics was never an option. He would run. He would run. I'm not, you know, not going, not going to that side. I want to go get punched in the face with everybody else. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I just completely lost. I just, I just lost. I completely lost the, the question. I'm sorry. No, no, you're completely fine. I just, I think with what um, Miss De Jesus and with what Sam does and with what Garrett does, I think. You just have these people that are looking in oh, the, outside and role just, the role model. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so long story short is, is that as he became more confident in himself and his and his identity became more as an MMA fighter and as an athlete, and we gave him the ability to pay that back to other individuals with special needs, that process helped him deal with that and become the role model. Now he doesn't think of himself as a role model. He just calls himself a coach because he coaches. He is a coach. He'll tell, he'll tell you that he coaches the kids. And you know, yeah, he, he does. He coaches yeah. the and I have kids. a question about coaching actually. Does when he coaches, does he coach similar to the way you coach or is it different? Totally different. How so? If you don't and, mind me asking or elaborating. Number one, he's more, he's more patient than I am. And I will, I will verbalize and he will show. So I will tell 
and he will show more. He does a better job, I think, of connecting with the athletes that we work with than I do. One's a show, one's the teller. Yeah. All right, so we'll be right back, y'all. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and we'll talk to them more. So see you guys then. Green County General Hospital is proud to support Sam Mitchell and Autism Rocks and Rolls. Green County General Hospital is located in Linton, Indiana. We offer a broad scope of health services at the hospital, as well as four medical clinics located throughout Green County. My Linton Clinic, my Worthington Clinic, my Westgate Clinic, and my Bloomfield Clinic. We also offer an orthopedic and sports medicine center with Dr. John Hammerstein, located in Linton, Indiana. Our Women's Health Center is located at the My Linton Clinic with two board-certified OBGYNs, Dr. Douglas Lawson and Dr. Laurel Walton. Check out our website for more information, greencountyhospital.com. Enjoy the podcast, and we appreciate your support in removing the stigma from autism. All right, we're back, y'all, with Mitch Hullivan. Serena, just we're going to learn a lot about them. Let's get on with it. So, Miss Stasus, we did some research, and we learned about a young girl who probably is like your best friend. Her name is Roxanne. Why is Roxanne important to you? So, when I first started in training, I started training in 2010, you know. So, yay, past 10 years. When I first started, a lot of fighters never displayed their nerdy side. Like, I love anime and video games. When fighters would talk about it, they're like, oh, they're weak, they're a nerd, they're like, whatever. But I always watched female fights because there weren't female fights a lot 10 years ago. In fact, growing up and being in the sport, watching women's mixed martial arts evolve has been honestly one of the fun things to see in my life. So I watched Roxanne. Like, she was a character that came up when I was seeing some fights from the past, like Hook and Shoot and whatnot. And I'm like, dang, she's walking out to anime songs. Oh, dang, she wears glasses like me. Oh, dang, she can she can grapple, she can do all this. So I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. And then she kind of fell off from sight for a little bit. I guess it's kind of my fault because she was living in Japan at the time. She was an English teacher by day and then whooped everybody's butt by night. So then she got on the first season of The Ultimate Fighter that had women on it. She was on team, on Misha Tate's team because that, that one season was Team Ronda Rousey versus Team Misha Tate. And she was there and I'm like, oh my God, now she's here in America. So in 2013, I took a trip to Thailand. I trained out there because at that time I was still just doing only Muay Thai fights because that's my, that's my passion. I love Muay Thai. And I happened to do grappling, hence that made me transition into mixed martial arts but the year after i wanted to go to thailand again in 2014 but there were political riots so i'm like i ain't going as a woman halfway across the world by myself and doing that nonsense so my traincation as i called it took me different places so i messaged roxanne because i was a fan at this point on facebook i'm like hey you're here in america can i like train with you for a bit and stuff and she's like yeah sure and apparently I was the first person who said, who asked to train with her that actually showed up. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll see you in two months. I already booked my tickets in then. And then I spent the whole summer out in Las Vegas and it was great. We bonded over our love of fighting, our love of anime, video games, Japanese culture, etc. And she's become like a big sister figure to me. Like how I try to help other autistics who are younger than me avoid the pitfalls that I fell into. She's doing the same and helping me avoid the pitfalls and mixed martial arts not to fall into and she's always been there since my second amateur fight till now so she's always been in my corner and I can't ask for anybody better than her like she understands my you know some of my things on 
being autistic and what it means. And instead of fighting it, she was embra- she embraced it. And she's like, all right. And she's been one of my biggest supporters in this in this fight, you know, for in general, fighting my way up the ranks and fighting to make sure that autistic people, you know, won't go through what I want. Yeah, totally. I can relate to that. I'm glad you share a, a bonding con with Japanese culture and anime and can relate to each other. That must be a good relationship. It's awesome because when I used to talk to my friends about anime and in the gym, they'd be like looking at me like I had three heads. And then I would talk to my nerdy friends about fighting and then they would look at me with three heads. But now recently, I feel like we've bridged the gap where people are more open about their love of anime. Like how many fighters now say they love Dragon Ball Z? How many fighters now say they love Naruto or other or My Hero Academia and stuff like that? Or video games like Josh Barnett, for example, who's like a who's like a big MMA legend. He plays D and D and has for a while. So I mean, the big one of the biggest scariest OG heavyweights plays Dungeons and Dragons in his free time. I mean, that's a great. Um, I have a question for Mitch. When is I know with COVID and everything happening? When um when do you think he's gonna be able to get back to the gym and get back to um matches? Um, he, he just, Garrett was really lucky because I snuck him in to get vaccinated. So he got his two vaccines and he was able to go back to the gym last week, just did his first three sessions. So, um, it was not a good time for anybody. It's been, it's been tough for sure. A hundred percent tough. Um, Sam, you know, Sam is doing really well now, but I mean, there were a couple of days where he just kind of went to bed because he wanted you know, he said, mom, when is this going to be over? And of course, I don't have an answer for him. I still don't have an answer for him. <laughs> My little sister is being the same way. She hasn't been able to sleep. She doesn't have too many friends and the friends she has are in school. And here in Nevada, there's, there's it's all virtual. So she can't really see her friends that much. So she's got us. I mean, she loves us and she loves her family and everything. But like, eventually when you're around somebody too many times, I mean. It drives you crazy. You, Oh yeah. I mean, it's no, it's no knock on anybody. It's just how it is. Like if I had to see the same faces forever and ever, I might get a little moody myself. So I can imagine how that went. Miss DeSeuse, how did you become an ambassador for fighting for autism? So that's a fun story. So I, for the longest time, I wasn't always out and about with me being autistic. In fact, I actually hit it for a while because I was worried about the stigma and all that other stuff because I've been fighting a really hard battle, in my opinion, to kind of gain acceptance into the neurotypical community. And I didn't become public as autistic until 2014, right before my amateur mixed martial arts debut. And after my second amateur fight, like my stock just blew up because it was hard in your face battle I had. And everybody started, like I went on Elite Daily. I went on all these different far reaching sites. And then I got into contact with Fighting for Autism they asked me, would you like to be an ambassador for our cause? And this is what we do and everything. I'm like, sure. Because like I said, we need more public figures who are autistic out and about in the limelight. So other autistics who feel lost and confused won't feel that way. Hopefully. What got you into anime and video games? Okay. Especially so Tekken. I always, I always loved video games. So that was just my thing. Video games, I think every kid in the 90s was into and as a, as a treat for me, when I behaved every Friday with go to, I would pick out something to watch. And I loved cartoons as a kid, and I just saw cartoons there. My first anime was a very old one called Record of Lotus War, and I loved it. It's basically Japanese 
Dungeons and Dragons, but it's because elves and knights and cool stuff. And so my dad, while I was running that, would rent the old school UFC tape. So I come downstairs and I see Gary Goodridge crucifixing and elbowing the heck out of Paul Herrera. And it looked like, since you play Tekken, you'll understand this reference. That looked like it's something that King from Tekken will be doing to somebody. Because you know that whole grappling thing where he starts snapping arms and stuff and transitioning? I'm like, and oh my kicks. God, this is so cool. And yes, kicks. it's like, and the scissor kicks too, technically he does. So I'm like, uh-huh. oh my God, this is just like my video games I love so much. So I became a fan of mixed martial arts, watching it from that to Elite XC, WEC Pride, of course, and of course the UFC. And so when I started training, I started training because I needed something to do. And I guess I figured I wanted to be a more informed fan. And I just loved it so much. And my first grappling tournaments turned my first Muay Thai fights. And my first Muay Thai fights turned my first mixed martial arts fights. And it's led me to where I am today. Awesome. Now, I'm just curious. Sometime after um, our interview, we got to get together. We got to play Tekken together. If you're on PS4, heck yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll, you can probably beat me in it, but I won't make it easy. <laughs> I don't play online much. Does, um, Mitch, does, does Garrett like to, I'm just curious what he likes to do. Does he play video games? Does he like movies? Garrett's a big DC fan. Um, so he hates Marvel. So if I want to get under his skin, Aww. I have a Marvel shirt. With Party like pooper. Huh? Oh, I joke around said party pooper. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a big DC fan. Uh, he loves Nightwing. He's recently gotten interested in because of Nightwing. If you know Nightwing, the character. So he's recently oh, got. He's got. He got the screamer. Did he do? Is he, I got excited and I spoke out. I'm like, oh my god, was he doing the screamer? Oh my god, I got really excited because that looks so cool. <laughs> now he Garrett's gotten into what they call Cali sticks, which is. Yeah. Stick fighting, yeah. Filipino yes. stick fighting, I know that too. That's yes. really so, cool stuff. Um, he, yes, and he loves video games. I couldn't tell you what he's playing right now. Anything anything DC he loves, and and he enjoys video games very much. Now, what, what do you like to watch, Miss DeSeuss, or what's your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? So my favorite TV show right now has to go to My Hero Academia, hence I'm wearing the shirt with, the char- with some of the characters. Because at least I love anime, and at least for me, it's relatable because the main character is born in a, in a world where 80% of people are heroes and he has no powers. And then he somehow gets powers and then is on the quest to be the number one hero in the world because there's a ranking system. And I very much relate to that. I was born, you know, not like everybody else. And now I found my power fighting and I want to be the best fighter in the world. As for movies, I mean, my movie and TV show tastes are very eclectic so i kind of i can watch anything from documentaries to action to drama and you know as long as the plot's interesting i'm in it but of course my favorite movies will always go to the godzilla uh, series in particular godzilla versus becca godzilla the first one (laughs) all right so this is our last ad folks and we'll be right back christian autoglass is the largest independent autoglass company in the state of indiana serving fishers terahope Greenwood, Anderson, and Muncie. They specialize in all aspects of auto glass repair and replacement on everything from domestic and import vehicles, RVs, heavy trucks, and equipment repairing, outside mirrors, windows, regulators, and motors. Perfection Auto Glass has trained and certified technicians that calibrate the camera attached to your windshield to ensure your lane departure warning and ADS safety features are working properly. 
Their staff has more than 100 years of combined experience and uses only uses the highest quality glass and sealants in the industry. If your windshield or windows are damaged in any way, just have them replace it or repair it as soon as possible for the safety of you and your loved ones. They offer both in-shop and mobile services as well as same-day service. Perfection Autoglass works directly with all insurance companies and their staff is committed to the highest level of quality service and attention to details that customers have come to expect. They understand that getting your vehicle back on the road as soon as possible is important to you. You can visit them online at perfectionautoglassindiana.com to learn more about their services which I think is kind of cool, by the way, may I add. But anyway, please call Perfection Autoglass for any and all your autoglass needs. All right, we are back, y'all, and we're going to have my mom take this over for G-Money. So I have a question. There, I have a stand-in for G. That's okay. This is So this is Mitch, um, G-Money's dad. So very, very glad that you guys are here. Um, this could kind of go for both of you, but Mitch um, and, and uh, Miss De Jesus, as from a parent standpoint, do, does Mitch, do you ever get worried that he's going to get hurt or miss de jesus do your parents ever worry that you know you're going to get seriously injured with um with what with what you do and with what g money does uh, my quick answer is uh and this is the way i'll answer it today people ask me why i kept them out of the gym you know they would make fun of you because of covid or without getting into that and my answer was always garrett could train to protect himself in fighting. And I always knew what his ability was. So you could ex assess the risk. There's nothing I could do about COVID or him getting, even to this day of getting him getting sick. So that's the way I look at it. He can, can, you can control his ability, control those things that he can control. And if he can't, he can't. And that's why I kept him out of the gym because I couldn't control it. We couldn't fight it back. So that's my, that's my answer to that. I understand too. It makes a lot of sense, too, because as a parent, you don't know what's going to happen in that ring. Anything can happen in MMA. Well, with it, with it just being so physical, too, I mean, just I know when Sam did um, just Taekwondo. Yeah, you thought I hurt my knee the first day. <laughs> yeah, I would be setting off to the side and, you know, he would get kicked really hard. But just from like a parent standpoint, Miss De Jesus, does your do your parents, um, do they watch you fight? Yeah, my mom joins me every fight. My dad tries to, but he's working on something. My dad's been a nurse in every part of the hospital you can imagine for 29 years. So uh, he was actually the one that signed off first on me doing it, which is kind of ironic. But my mom was at first very hesitant, but she saw how much joy it brought to me and just how much fun I had into it. And she's even said this is the happiest and healthiest my entire life she's seen me with me training. Does she get worried that I'll get caught up in stuff? Yeah, you know, but this is something we've accepted that. It's a typical mom, yeah, Murray. <laughs> yeah, but she's so used to me because when I was younger, I actually had really bad motor skills. Like I would trip over everything and I'd just be covered in bruises in my shins and everything. Part of me can't help but wonder if all those trips and falls where I've hit my shins and stuff has led to them being super calcified, which is why I kick so well. But yeah, they, they're happy for it. And you know, now that my 17 year old brother, when he turns 18, he wants to have his amateur MMA debut. You know, my mom and my, and my dad still, you know, they, they still worry about us, but they know this is something we absolutely love and that we're aware of the risks. We're, we're aware of what this can, can do to us and the steps to take. So we've already had this all game planned out. So yeah, they kind of worry, but ultimately they know we love it. So they let us go for it. 
if you're a parent, you don't worry about your kids, give up your parent card. So for real, right? <laughs> yep. That is a hundred percent accurate. Like <laughs> I'm a kid's coach. And when I go to tournaments with my, with my kids and everything and in jujitsu where I know they won't get hit, I still, I still sweat bullets <laughs> and I have to tell, and I walk up to the kids and I tell them, look, if I am yelling, when I'm giving instruction, be aware. It's not me being angry. It's because it's really loud in here and I want you to be okay. Mm-hmm. And like, and they nod, they're like, oh yeah. And it's cool because I, and it's fun because I used to even have autistic students who've competed too. So it kind of warms my heart to know that like, I'm in a way in a parent role of sorts being a coach. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So these are just from fun ones and they're, they're, we're not done. They got like four more left. So the first one is actually three more. Um, what's your favorite food and your paradise meal and why is it your favorite? Oh man, I'm really, I'm a fat kid at heart. Like there's a little inner fat kid right in here. So um, it's really hard for me to pick out a favorite food, but if I had to do it, the first food off the top of my head is I love, I love curry. I love curry and I love, um, I love seafood. So curry and seafood. So I was, I was a shoe in when I went to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mitch? What, what about you and Garrett? Do you both like to eat the same yeah. thing? You guys got different taste perspectives. Garrett's Garrett's favorite food is Publix chicken tenders. Good choice. So yeah, we don't. I have, miss Publix. I, I I've heard of Publix. So Sam, it's it's P U L I X, but we don't have that. We don't have that here. Yeah, we have yeah, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, it's okay. once you get. I lived in South Carolina for a year, and they were there, and then further down south, and I love that. Publix and Piggly Wigglies were my thing back when I lived in South Carolina. Oh, he he loves he he likes his Publix chicken. It's just chicken tenders that are breaded. Um, that's probably his his favorite food of all time. That's awesome. I like chicken too. I love um, chicken wings. That's my thing, really. But buffalo style. Yeah. Hey. Mainly get the hottest possible, so I can lit my thing on fire. If you know what I mean. Oh, nuclear strength, absolutely. I have beef jerky from my um, beef jerky sponsor, a uh, jerky pro that actually makes a new. It's habanero ghost pepper and another pepper combined i'm coming to your that house hurts. hey I'll, I'll show you where to get them <laughs> thank you of so, course also what has been your favorite vacations that you've ever taken and why did you enjoy that vacation very much for me i really enjoyed thailand because that was my traincation so i was trading two times a day every day except sunday and i would go to the beaches you know go eat and it was a nice little tropical paradise for me but I was doing what I loved in the second and second place uh, my favorite vacation was when I went to Japan because Japan I went with my, with my homie Roxy so, which was really useful because unfortunately not everybody speaks as much English in Japan as they do in Thailand which for whatever reason I don't understand why so Roxy being fluent in Japanese she was a teacher she was basically my translator for everything <laughs> Hey, hey, Serena, before I, before I do forget, because I meant, I forgot to say this up front, and mm-hmm. um, don't be offended, but G's at, G knows who Roxanne is, and he's watched her fight, and he's a, big, he's a big fan of hers. But for what you said, one of the things that you said earlier, we were just talking about, you know, Serena trains, I don't know if you remember Roxanne Montefero. Oh, yeah. The girl who That's my, my best friend, dude. Throw, throw you for a curve, sorry. Okay, wait, wait. Sam, you just asked an earlier question about favorite food. Yeah. Okay. What what time is it, G? Nine thirty. And what happens at nine thirty? Talk tell Sam because they just asked. Uh, Sam, and my favorite food is Halo ice cream. 
an F-bomb or creative curse words every four seconds telling somebody to just, you know, buzz off and stop being a you-know-what and whatnot, so. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> kind of that yin and yang um, personality where she's that sweet, gentle, kind-hearted grappler, more of that potty mouth gangster kind of slugging, throwing hands and elbows and stuff at people. <laughs> well, I think that'll be all. Mom, do you want to say anything? Sweet. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I will say, you know, th- this has been a great experience. You know, Sam doesn't usually let me like sit in on these. So I'm really excited <laughs> to be a part of it. Um, so uh, thank you guys. Uh, and, and make sure, um, Mitch, you tell Garrett that we are just honored that he um, took part in our interview. So thank you so much uh, for your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. See